Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. Oh, my, 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 my. We also talked about 
for our uh, sister Yvette. What self-care looked like? Woo-wee. Yes. Self-care, she talked about, you know, hey, I don't mind taking care of my husband. But um, I think he needs to also take care of himself and how that looked. Oh, that was like so powerful to me. I don't know how the rest of you took that, but that was powerful to me. And he talked about what recreational companionship looked like. You know, ladies, it is not easy, you know, being able to come up with, you know, um, the things that's going to make him happy, you know, the things that are not going to be work and work only for him. And it was a wonderful thing to hear, you know, how he just, that he enjoyed. He enjoyed the things that his wife did. So I got to tell you, it was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful conversation to be had. I mean, they were fantastic last week. And for a young couple, I think that was our youngest couple in the relationship clinic, they really did a fine job relaying what the components of the marriage look like through their eyes. All right. Well, we could not finish a Monday morning without getting that switch tip with Shantice. Don't take what the enemy is offering. Now, you know, as always, I like to say this gets kind of partnered with our Monday morning conversation. And when you talk about through my eyes, you know, it's a wonderful thing to be able to see what the enemy is offering you instead of what God is offering you. Because that's why the divorce rate is so high. Yes, because the two of them spoke about the godly component of their marriage and offering one another godliness. That's what really made their presentation so special because everything they talked about, they had a dose of God in not just a part of it, but in the center of this thing. In the center. You know, so they didn't have an opportunity to offer something from the enemy because they were too busy offering something from God. So, you know, make sure you partner yourself up with people of God so that when the enemy comes and slides in and tries to offer you something, you already know what the good stuff looks like. Remember, every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord. So therefore, you are not going to want to have anything to do with what the enemy has to offer. Even the very smell or the taste of it, you're not going to want anything that does not have God's blessings dripping all over it. So you're not going to have no time to accept what the enemy has to offer you, okay? Alrighty, alrighty. Well, let's talk about a Tuesday church folk day rolled around. And we got to talking about the couple who beat.
beheaded themselves as a human sacrifice unto the Lord. Now, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This stuff here that these people are doing, I don't know what in the world they're supposed to be doing when you set up a guillotine and you give your life according to you to the Lord. I, I, I don't know what kind of sacrificing we're talking about, but that's not the kind of sacrifice that the Lord is looking for. Uh, so our conversation, woo-wee, it got hot in the room and we had a good old time talking 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 all our pastors got to talking and I tell you it's gonna continue this week God spent because I surely got a question or two to ask and uh, hopefully I get an answer so uh, you might want to go back and listen to the finer details of that conversation. Okay. Now I ain't giving it up. I'm sorry. I'm not giving it up. On uh, Wednesday. Wow. Wednesday. Uh, we opened up with our girlfriend Vivian who talked about the uh, Fair Evader program that uh, MTA is coming up with. They are going to pull out the token booth workers. Uh, no more flipping your phone. And now you will have to go on the platform and through the subway system on foot. Yes, they want you to be the eyes and ears of MTA. Alert them to let them know all the things that are going down. And uh, we didn't think that was going to be such a good idea because, uh, as someone said, you know, uh, flashlight cops don't get a whole lot of respect. So, yeah, we don't anticipate that that's going to be the answer or the resolution to your fair evader problem at all. And our ladies, our ladies were given an opportunity to speak about, uh, you know, what God is teaching them lately. And maybe you should be asking that question to yourself. What is God teaching me lately? What should I be paying attention to that uh, God wants me to know? And uh, they did a fine job, as always, with that. And we got that cake topper, Faith Over Fear, with our pastor, Charlotte Bid, to take us out of our Wednesday morning presentation. All right? All right. Well, Thursday. Oh, my goodness. Oh, we had praying for my wife's motherhood with our pastor, James Patterson. And I got to tell you, a presentation of all presentations. You know, I keep saying God sends us the very best. Oh, my goodness. He was such a refreshing voice to listen to as he talked about 
things that, you know, he has to pray over, you know, regarding his wife. And you're a phenomenal woman, woman rather, our uh, Lady Amy Patterson is, we've had Lady Amy on a few times, and he talked about different areas of her motherhood, like her resting in her sleep. You know, this is a mother of nine Nine, 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 and how she balances, you know, family and the work that she does. And we talked about the fact that, you know, she has a wonderful self-worth and, you know, what he thinks of her. I think that was the highlight of my morning with um, uh, Pastor James. Yes. And, you know, it was just, it, like I said, it was just a refreshing moment that we spent with him just listening to, you know, his concerns and, and how he views her, you know. And it was just, it was just wonderful. It was just wonderful. And half the men spent uh, that kind of time. But they've been married for, like, 30 years, so... uh it's, 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 it's a while to be spending with somebody, and he has definitely shown what growth is because he, he gave his own testimony. And if you have not listened to it, you really need to go back and listen. You really need to go back and listen. Okay? All right. Well, Freestyle Friday rolls around, and our men got to talking. And they talk about ways that a Christian man can grow and embracing your God-given role and roles. Oh, my goodness, was one of the things that hit the floor. And, ooh-wee, the things that were given by the men, I mean, just phenomenal. Also, just Consuming the word and discipling other men. These are the things that you need to do to really show Christian growth. Because that stuff is not going to come to you automatically. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So they sent us into a wonderful, 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 thought-provoking weekend. And uh, (laughs) Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. The Word Prayer Project was in effect, and our prayer topic, oh my goodness, are you ready? Ways that we can be useful to God, being useful to God. Now, we spoke about that here on this due time, and that's kind of what sprouted the prayer topic, and uh, it was fantastic. Oh, my goodness gracious. I mean, all the way from last Monday to last night, it was phenomenal. It was a phenomenal week. And I tell you, the prayer requests are always what gets to me. Always. And I think you need to go back. You need to listen and you need to join that prayer. Huh. Get some of that prayer in you. For being useful to God. Alrighty? So that's how we spent our week and that's how we got our week started. 
And now we're shaking the Monday morning blues all over again. Can you believe we're here already? This is the end. This is the last week of March. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Next week will be May. Wow. Already. We're almost halfway through the month. Um, no, month. The year. So I'm so happy to have you with me this Monday morning. And I know you are bright-eyed and bushy-tailed because how else can we shake that Monday morning blues? Ah, giving God thanks for all that he has done. So let's get this party started. Go and get your healthy breakfast. Go tell somebody that it's due time with Pastor Steph is on. And whatever you do, don't go anywhere because we'll be right back. Today, approximately 1 million people in the United States are living with Parkinson's disease. My dad was one of those people. My mom was his primary caregiver. Early signs can be subtle, a tremor in your hand, stiffness in your body, short shuffling steps when you walk. Know the signs and how to spot them in yourself or someone you love. And know the steps to take. Early diagnosis and expert care can improve the quality of life for a Parkinson's patient. And in some cases, it can even mean saving a life. The National Parkinson Foundation is here to help. Learn more about the early signs and discover the free resources available for patients and caregivers at parkinson.org. Let's do whatever it takes to beat Parkinson's. Or lose weight. 
Okay. Well, I want to let you know that it, this no, this is no may. This will help you. When I, I'm going to tell you, when I was on the grind for weight loss, and there was a wonderful regimen um, that we had to follow, and you had to go to bed by like nine o'clock. Yes. And I have to tell you, in two weeks, naturally, no, no cutting out any particular foods and all of this kind of stuff, but sleep. They really stressed going to bed. And that was one of the things that helped me lose weight. In, in like two weeks, I lost like 20 pounds. And that sleep, they say, was so important. And I tell you, when we followed that regimen, yes, they're saying an analysis found that adults who slept fewer than seven hours per night had an increase, a 41% increase of developing obesity. Meanwhile, the longer you slept over that seven hours, you actually lost weight. And I'm telling you, I'm a living witness. I'm a living witness. They say um, sleep deprivation increases levels of ghrelin, ghrelin, excuse me, and decreases levels of leptin. Okay, now ghrelin, G-H-R-E-L-I-N, is a hormone that makes us feel hungry, while leptin makes us feel full. And that causes us to feel hungrier, to overeat, and that was probably one of the reasons why we lost weight, because if you went to bed at 9 o'clock, 9.30, you weren't up eating all hours of the night, okay? So they say again that short sleep duration is associated with an increased risk of obesity and weight gain, and, you know, the opposite way will send you down. Your pounds come down. Okay? All righty. Number two, they say that getting more sleep can improve concentration and productivity. Well, that's kind of self-explanatory, don't you think? Because they say sleep is important for various aspects of brain function. Okay? They say cognitive concentration, productivity, and performance are all negatively affected by sleep deprivation, okay? They're saying also getting enough sleep can improve academic performance in children, adolescents, and young adults, okay? They say a study for overworked physicians was a wonderful gauge as to what happens when you are sleep deprived and it and um whether it improves your concentration and productivity. They say it found that doctors with moderate, high and very high sleep related impairment were fifty four, ninety six and ninety seven percent more likely to report clinically significant medical errors. Okay, 
So, I mean, like I said, again, this is kind of like self-explanatory. When you don't sleep well, you don't function the best. Okay? So, come on now. Uh, Let's see what else. They're saying that getting more sleep can maximize your athletic performance. Okay? They say numerous studies have shown that adequate sleep can enhance fine motor skills, reaction time, muscular power, muscular endurance, and problem-solving skills. Okay? They say a lack of sleep may increase your risk of injury and lower your motivation to exercise. Well, again, common sense is you tired. Okay? All right, next. They say getting more sleep may strengthen your heart. Wow. They say low sleep quality and duration may increase your risk of developing heart disease. Okay? They say one analysis of 19 studies found that sleeping fewer than seven hours per day resulted in a 13% increased risk of death from heart disease. Wow. They said another analysis found that compared with seven hours of sleep, each one-hour decrease in sleep was associated with 6% increased risk of all-cause mortality and heart disease. Okay? And they say short sleep appears to increase the risk of high blood pressure, especially in those with obstructive sleep apnea. Okay? And we all know that sleep apnea is um, a condition where you have interrupted breathing during your sleep. Okay? All righty. They say a lack of sleep affects sugar metabolism and type 2 diabetes risk. So they say short sleep is associated with a greater risk of developing type 2 diabetes and insulin resistance. Okay? which is when your body can't produce the hormone insulin properly uses, okay? They say that, in fact, an analysis of, uh, excuse me, an analysis of 36 studies in over 1 million participants found that very short sleep of fewer than 5 hours and short sleep of fewer than 6 hours increased the risk of developing type 2 diabetes, by 48%, okay? They say that sleep deprivation deprivation can cause psychological changes like decreased insulin sensitivity, increased inflammation, and hunger hormone changes, as well as behavioral changes like poor decision-making and greater food intake all of which increase diabetes risk. Wow. Okay. Uh, Lack of sleep is responsible for poor sleep and is linked to depression. So in other words, the less sleep you get, it leads to more 
and a poor sleep habit and is linked to depression. They say mental health concerns such as depression are strongly linked to poor sleep quality and sleeping disorders. They say a study of 2,672 participants found that those with anxiety and depression were more likely to report poorer sleep scores than those without anxiety and depression. Okay. Woo! They say people with sleeping disorders like insomnia or obstructive sleep apnea also report higher rates of depression than those without. All right? All right. Uh, Our poor sleep habits support a healthy immune system. Okay? Lack of sleep has been shown to impair immune function. Okay? They say that in a study... Participants who slept fewer than five hours per night were 4.5 times more likely to develop a cold compared to those who slept more than seven hours. Okay, so it definitely uh, getting better sleep. I should I think I said it the opposite way. Getting better sleep supports a healthy immune system. Okay. They say poor sleep is linked to increased inflammation, which is probably why I'm always in pain, <laughs> even more so than just a fibro. Oh, my goodness. I don't sleep. Poor sleep can have a major effect on inflammation in the body. They say sleep plays a key role in the regulation of our central nervous system. In particular, it's involved in the stress response system known as sympathetic nervous system and the hypothalamic let me see if I can say that properly hypothalamic okay pituitary adrenal access that's called HPA sleep loss especially from disturbed sleep is known to activate inflammation inflammatory signaling pathways and lead to a higher level of undesirable markers of inflammation. Boy, are they talking to Stephanie today. And they say over time, chronic inflammation can cause the development of many chronic conditions, including obesity, heart disease, certain types of cancer, Alzheimer's disease, depression, and type 2 diabetes. Alrighty? Alright. Our poor sleeping habits affect emotions and social interaction. Okay? So they say sleep loss reduces your ability to regulate emotions and interact socially. When we're tired, we have a harder time controlling emotional outbursts and our behaviors in front of others. Tiredness may also affect our ability to respond to humor and show empathy. Wow. Boy, they're on point today. I tell you, they're on point. 
all right? So all of those things should push us to get more sleep, all right? That's our that's our, our, our point that we're making this morning. We have reasons to get more sleep, all righty? So if we don't have any other reason to get more sleep, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Whew. Those are some reasons. All righty. All righty. What are we talking about in our news today? I, t- I told you, do you, once you hear one thing, one instance, then you hear two, then all you know is it's just this decline of, of, of incidents, increase of incidents. And we have uh, some two cheerleaders who were shot in a Texas supermarket parking lot after one opened the door to the wrong vehicle. Oh, my goodness. So they're saying two teenagers were shot after uh, one of the young ladies said that she mistook um, the wrong car for her own in a supermarket parking lot out in Texas. And uh, Pedro Rodriguez, Jr., 25, uh, he was the one who they are saying shot the teens, and he was arrested. He's being held on $500,000 bond and accused of deadly conduct with a firearm, third-degree felony um, in, in that state. And, you know, we don't, you know, we, we these people with these guns, I'm telling you, these people with these guns. So what happens is they say that one of the young ladies, it was a, it was a couple of them, um, and when I, I should say a few of them, one of the young ladies opened up the door to the wrong car. He got out of his car and started shooting. Yeah, he got out the car. She said she was trying to apologize to him when he got out of the passenger side door and started shooting. And he ended up um, severely wounding one of the young ladies, and she had to be airlifted to um, a hospital. The other young lady was actually treated on site and able to um, go home. But the other one was left in, in in a pretty bad condition, and you know, prayerfully, she's going to be okay. You know, it, this is just—I t- it's like once one person does it and two people do it, that's it, that's it, that's it. She had a ruptured spleen, which had to be removed, and she had damage to her pancreas and diaphragm. So you know, this this here. You can't even make a mistake these days. You can't even make a mistake. I don't know whether it was nighttime, daytime, or whatever, but, I mean, I've done it. I've gone to the wrong car and, and like, oh, I mean, I've actually gone and put the key in the car that I thought that, and I was like, oh, wait a minute, this is not the car. So, yeah, I mean, it, it happens. Things happen. Now, you know, I know that you can't, you know, tell perpetrators these days, men from women, but they say that before, again, before he started shooting, she was apologizing, told him that she 
uh, made a mistake and, and approached the wrong car, but that did not seem to make a difference to him. He started bucking off the shots. Oh, goodness gracious. Oh. All righty. What else are we talking about here? Uh, all right. We've got <laughs> these two boys, these two teens, 17 and 14, who are being charged with just a misdemeanor after, after they stole a car and crashed it into another vehicle, killing a six-month-old baby. So what happened was these teens had stolen this car, this Hyundai, and they slammed into a Ford pickup truck at an intersection. And in the car was a 34-year-old mom, her um, two two little girls, 15 and 7, and the baby, the six-month-old boy. And they were all injured and treated um, at a local hospital. But on impact, the baby's skull was fractured, and he later died. Now, here's where it gets you know, to where people are in an, in an uproar because they say, you should see the car. You should see the two cars. They look like two bent-up cans. So I don't know what speed they were going, but however they were going was hard enough. The impact was hard enough where the baby suffered a fractured skull and they were only charged with a misdemeanor and I don't care how old you are. That is not a misdemeanor when you injure three people and kill a baby. Now, they're saying based on the facts um, as they go into a further investigation of the um, of the actual incident that those charges might increase. But to even think that that's where they're starting is insulting enough. That's an insult. How do you even start there at a misdemeanor? Well, first of all, you stole a car. Since when is that a misdemeanor? Last I checked, they have never considered steal theft of a car a misdemeanor. So I don't know what's going on down in, uh, I believe this is in Chicago, Yes, but they definitely need to get their business together because nobody's going to accept that um, and and walk away with that. No, no, not at all. Okay. Uh, We got another story about how the system is just letting people go. They have this, this incident. Here in New York, where this Isadora Acosta was riding the bus to go get some groceries. And she purposely took the bus, she said, because the the, the subway crimes were really, you know, crazy. And she didn't want to run the risk of getting into anything or um, experiencing anything um, negative in the subway. So she got on the bus. She took her seat 
behind the man, and she said, without any interaction, the man just got up and started hitting her. And he said he, she said he slapped her several times with both hands. He was mumbling to something that she couldn't understand. And she kept saying to him, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I don't know what I did. Now, we don't have to say what side of the fence this, this person was on because uh, it wouldn't have gone down like this. Ain't nobody apologizing and you didn't do anything. But this is what was happening. They say that someone helped her get off the bus. And um, the police asked her, you know, they called the cops, the police asked her if she wanted to press charges, and she said yes. She said yes. So they took the report. She seemed, she said it seemed like everything was okay and that, you know, there would be some follow-up. She said, but she never heard from anybody. So when she called and uh, spoke to someone at the police precinct, they said that the case was inactive, but there was no explanation as to why the case was in, uh, inactive. So they pushed further and only to find out that they said ah, that nobody was going to be punished for the incident that happened on the bus, that it was a terrible incident, but there was no harm. Are you ready? There was no harm done. Now, how insulting is that? So they're associating this with this, you know, remember we've been talking ever since last year about how they're downsizing and downplaying um, these assaults. And they said that her attacker would not be charged with anything because there was no blood. Yes. So it's interesting because, all right, if they, they said that because also a cop didn't witness this, that it would only be seen as harassment. Now, this is quite different because we know that if, you know, if, if they come up, if the cops come up on a complaint of two individuals and you say that he hit you and he says that you hit him, oh, everybody going to jail. So I guess they, know, they must not be locking up anybody anymore. Because in this particular case, they're saying that this is um, a misdemeanor and they're not bothering. Again, because there was no blood. And they, she, needless to say, this woman is in an uproar because who wouldn't be? Who wouldn't be? She said she specifically didn't take the train. And now I take the bus. Somebody attacks me for no reason. And you're telling me the most it is is harassment. So they say that the harassment, quote-unquote, complaints are incredibly high. They have taken a 15% increase since 2019. And the harassers are not um, 
having to deal with any repercussions behind their behavior. So this is this is where we are, people. This is where we are. So I guess, you know, we're going to really have to take this thing to another level where, you know, either some petitions got to be signed or I say get rid of this, this brag because he's an insult. He is an insult. This DA here that we have who's calling the shots of, um, well, thank God he's just in Manhattan. But um, we've been talking about him since last year. And this downplay of, of violence and, um, you know, how they're handling it, it's, it's an insult to people. It's an insult. I don't leave my house to get attacked. And whether you are mentally ill or whether you're supposedly in a sound state of mind, I'm sorry, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. That is not going to work. And we have seen where he has downsized um, uh, 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 weapons and all kinds of things. So needless to say, this here, this ain't no huge surprise, I suppose. Oh, my goodness gracious. All right, we got one more story. Let me see what we're talking about here. All right. (laughs) So out in South Carolina... Boy, oh boy, oh boy, this must have been the theme. I didn't even catch the flow of the news today. But they say that there's a South Carolina couple. Now, they are exes. They are divorced. But I guess for financial reasons, they could not afford to live separately. And they decided that they would share this duplex. So they say that He was in the house, 24-year-old Alan Riggs. He was in the house while his ex-wife and her lover were having sex, and they could be heard. So he bangs on the walls, and uh, that don't get their attention. And he's not happy, happy with that because they keep going. And when... (laughs) <laughs> they say that he's yelling, asking them to stop, but he still gets no response. So he goes to his car and he gets his gun. And when she comes out to get a glass of water, he goes to her <laughs> and puts the gun to her and tells her that if she goes back upstairs, She was going to die. So she ends up uh, calling the cops, and he gets arrested, and now he's booked on felony domestic violence and being charged with uh, (laughs) other charges, and he has a $100,000 bond. And, you know, for him... He was saying, listen, I'm just trying to get them to quit. I banged on the wall. I yelled. Nobody's paying me any attention. So, you know, I didn't, you know, threaten out with the gun. I just had the gun in my hand when I was talking to her. So I shouldn't have to go to jail. But now 
that's a domestic violence charge. Just at the fact that he even had the gun while he was talking to her. Now, you see the difference? You go down to South Carolina, and he can't pull out his 9mm and have a conversation, despite the fact that he didn't, quote-unquote, threaten her with the gun. And you have someone who literally assaults someone here in New York, and uh, you get a chance to walk off like nothing happened. I don't know. I don't know. There's a real big, big difference in how things are being handled these days. Let's talk to our due time crew and see what they have to say. Let's say good morning to our girl, Tamika. Good morning, Tamika. Monday, Monday, Monday. Oh, excuse me. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, we didn't have that. We haven't had that jingle all month, and we are so so grateful to hear it this morning. How are you over there? I am doing beautifully. How are you today? I am well. You know, the sun is shining, and it always seems to give that little burst of adrenaline. And, you know, I'm grateful to God. I'm grateful to God because I tell you, the sun has not always meant this to me. So this is this is reason for me to give God the glory. Amen. So we have some stuff to talk about this morning, Tamika. We're talking about these teens in Texas, 17 and 14, who are uh, Stole the car, and they must have been going at, uh, at some accelerated speed because they ran into this Ford pickup truck, um, injured 34-year-old mom, um, 15-year-old, and a 7-year-old um, girls, and the 6-month-old boy who ended up with a, a fractured skull and later died from the injuries. And at the onset of this horrible occurrence and negligence by by these two, they're only charged with a misdemeanor. And upon investigating, now they already know that they did the crime. They already know that these were the two in the car when the accident took place. But whatever further investigation comes up, um, they're going to now charge them with more than a misdemeanor. What does that say to you when you hear this here? We live in a world now that the measures are tipped. and, And I keep trying to figure out how it is that these things happen. You know, are you related to a high official, you know, um, and, you know, at first they say, oh, well, we'll you know, we'll just give them, give them a little slap on the hand, you know, and then when other people started to talk, you know, the, you know, the, the office wheel, the office chain, everybody by the water cooler started talking, and it's like, oh, no, we need to do something more than that. You know, it kind of makes me think that, you know, 
you got a you got a great uncle, somebody, a aunt, somebody who's a judge or you know a district attorney. That that's what it makes me think. I always wonder about you know things like that and how uh, arrangements transpire like that. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, you're talking about the fact of car theft. Car theft. Car theft alone. Since when is car theft a misdemeanor? And then you got car theft along with murder. You know, this, you know, they don't, you know, they always, they don't like to call it murder at this point. But murder is murder, I don't care what you say. Um, but now this is, they normally call it manslaughter. And at no point, from the moment you got into this car, and this was an accident, it was no longer just joyriding. How do we still hang out in the misdemeanor territory? I simply don't get it, you know. And, and like you said, you know, you, you it's theft as well as taking a life. Now, the right. funny thing about it is if, if that individual or if those young men were older, you'd be ready to throw the book at them. But, oh, okay. because, you know, and that's the other thing that gets me because we understand that these youth, they're not, <laughs> they're not like they used to be. You know, they're willing to, to try the unusual, as we can see. Oh, oh we, who's, who's great, great, great mind, brilliant mind says, we're going to steal a car. And this is what we're going to do with it, you know, just, and then, oops, you know, we made a mistake and that's it. No, there has to be far more than that. Yeah. It, it, somebody's got to answer to this um, more than that. And again, you know, I, I look at about the parental, you know, years ago, they were holding parents a lot more accountable than they are years ago. Now, if I'm sleeping or whatever and, you know, my kids sneak out the house. You know, you may not be able to be responsible for that. Um, but if that's your car, you know, remember we, we talked a, a few, um, a, a month or so ago about the young boy from Brooklyn who had been stealing the car on a regular. And until he ended up dead and the children in the car ended up dead, you know, so... Yeah, and again, nobody's charged with this kind of stuff. So, I don't know. I don't know what we're gonna have to do these days in order to wake these people up. But this is definitely, in my opinion, not a way to handle this this car theft that leads to death and injuries. So, even if you had injuries alone, that's still not a misdemeanor. So, I'm really lost as to. You know, what, what they're going to turn up in further event, investigation that's going to be worse than this. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we're talking about this assault on the bus of this architect just going to get her groceries. She said she purposely did not take the train because of the crime rate in the trains in the subway system, and lo and behold, she gets on the bus, and unprovoked, she gets attacked. She presses charges, and there's nothing done. Nothing 
done because at the end of the day, there was no blood. What are we talking about here, Tamika? I would have myself, my relatives, my friends, my coworkers, everybody. We have a petition. We're going to sit out in the office. Um, we have a breakfast, lunch, and dinner on you because he, you just decided, oh, because there's no blood. You're going to see me every day until something is done, you know, because my thing is I didn't, I per, per, specifically decided another route, and then the route that I chose, I still got damaged. And, you know, this is, you just going to let that walk? No. <laughs> you will be reminded every day of your life until you proceed to do something. You know, and, 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 okay, fine, you said there's no bloodshed. So when, when, when uh, Uncle Bubba comes on, you know, comes on out and he gets out, he comes to see you and uh, he hits you with a bag of oranges, there's no bruises, there's, you know, there's no bloodshed. So we're good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, it's, it's such an insult that this is only harassment. You actually put your hands on me. And this is only harassment. This is crazy. This is outrageous. You hit me. You hit me. Harassment is verbal. Harassment is when you do things to kind of, you know, make me fearful of something. How is this harassment? And I'm I'm surprised because anywhere else that I know of, you say you feared for your life. That's supposed to, you know, maybe she didn't say the right sentence or I, I still don't get it. Because you, I didn't do anything to you and you just outright hit me. And not just once, you repeatedly hit me. And it's just that, uh, oh, well, they, there's no bloodshed, so you're you're fine. No, that, that that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. But you ask me if I want to press charges. I say yes, and you do nothing. <laughs> so what was the point Absolutely. of even asking me if I want to press charges? Because that's what she was kind of in an uproar about. Her thought was, okay, if I'm saying yes, I'm expecting to hear something. And lo and behold, nothing was done. So this, this is just too much. This is just too much. This is too much dismissing of things. Now, you have the South Carolina man, <laughs> you know, where they live together despite the fact that they are uh, divorced. And I guess, you know, for financial reasons, they decide to hang underneath the same roof. And I guess maybe the rules weren't made clear enough, Tamika, because she's doing the wild thing with a new man, and he, the ex-husband, is banging on the walls trying to get their attention. He's also um, yelling to try to get them to stop or at least be quiet, I suppose. And he goes and gets his gun. And when she comes to get the hook, she comes out the room to get the water. Now, huh. He tells her if she goes back in that room, he's going to kill her. So now he's being held on a $100,000 bond for a domestic violence charge. 
This is a different turn. Are you oh, there? Uh, you know, I'm here. I'm sorry. The That whole situation is crazy to begin with, you know. Um, if if uh, we don't know what their circumstances are and why they're why they're still together, but he had to have known that just having the gun there, you know. I understand that that might have been your extra am- ammunition. Here, here's the thing that gets me: why didn't you leave? You know, you you could have uh. and you know come back later. You know, you you weren't forced to brandish your gun. You could have found you someplace to be for the next however long. And come back, you know, you could have gone and got you something to eat or went over to a friend's house. Why is it? And then I guarantee you his response is she made it. No, that's not how that, again, you know, let's, let's utilize our, our, our intellect that says, okay, let me remove myself from the situation. Whether she did it intentionally, well, then again, you know, if, if I'm knocking and I'm telling you to stop and you continue on, then of course you did it. You, you did it on purpose. But. Again, you didn't have to brandish a gun. You could have found you someplace else to be. And you know what? What's got him in trouble, to me, is the fact that he went and got the gun. Remember now, that he went and got the gun from his car. Gun wasn't even in the house. He went in the car. So that adds to what you said a minute ago. They both sit in the car. If this was that disturbing to you, go sit in the car, and the next day. Mm-hmm. You need to have this conversation. Listen, now I know we're here together because, but, you know, when we're taking care of our business, can you, you know, be a little, you know, or tell me the day you're going to have company and I won't be here. So you're right. There's so many more ways to, you know, so many other ways to actually get this done. And that's why he's in trouble, really, because he went and got the gun. He went and got the gun from the car and then brandished the gun in his conversation. So, you know, he he already gave himself an out, like you said. Go get in the car, stay in the car. They're not going to be up all night or, you know, all day or whatever the time, you know, that's, that's taken. You know, just chill for a minute. You know, or when when she comes, when your girl comes, then y'all make a lot of noise. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. No, all jokes aside, because you know what? When you do stuff like that, then somebody tries to outdo you, and then that one tries to outdo you, and you end up with a gun. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't, you know, fight fire with fire. You know, so I, I agree. There was other ways he could have handled that, and this is very poor judgment. And now he's sitting behind bars, you know, when he could have just sat outside. <laughs> oh my gosh! Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We'll be back to have our other conversation. Let's say good morning to our pastor Charlotte. Good morning, Pastor Charlotte. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I am. <laughs> I am well, thank you. I'm well, thank you. How are you today, Pastor Charlotte? Sinus time, you know. Allergies is terrible. But oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm I'm finally beginning to understand the plight 
of these allergies. It it is. I, I'm just getting started, so I can't even imagine those of you who are really suffering because this here, this wow, this is no joke. This is no joke. Um, we we got some crazy stories today of accountability, and you know, not even seeing the link. But we've got this Texas, um, these two Texas teens, I'm sorry, Chicago. Out in Chicago, these two teens, um, 17 and 14, stole the car, crashed the car into the Ford pickup truck, um, injuring 35-year-old mom, 15-year-old daughter, um, I think 7-year-old daughter, and 6-month-old baby, the baby dies. Um, after it suffers a fractured skull, and until further investigation, they're only going to be they're being charged as you know with a misdemeanor. What's your thought on that? Well, I'm glad that Lady Tamika said it. I said, "Oh, I'm showing y'all that. Who do they know?" <laughs> that right. was my first response. <laughs> Right, yep. and then I thought of too is where your mama at seventeen fourteen. Where your mama at? How did y'all get to know how to steal a car? She should have kept y'all a little busy. But for y'all to kill and this the the um they have to go straight just to murder. That that was my thought because the baby died, and first of all you shouldn't have been stealing the car, and you hurt three others. Right, it was three of them. Correct? Yep. yep. Besides the baby? Mm-hmm. Yes. So yes. it should automatically be murder. I, it's, it doesn't matter because you attempt to do this because you never know. Whenever time you get behind a wheel, you never know what's going to happen. So since y'all want to do grown-up things, then you have to do the grown-up crime. And that was my thought of, of that. Yeah, there's, there's no way in the world. My question is, you're saying, you know, um, after you do the investigation, now you're going to charge them differently, possibly. Well, what investigation do you need at this point? There's three injured people. There's a dead baby. I'm sorry. What else do you need to know? You already know that these were the two behind the wheel. You know, whoever was driving and whoever was riding, you already know that they're responsible. And to tell a family who has just lost an infant and and, and three other people injured that we have to wait until later uh, further investigation to figure out whether we're going to charge them with more, then that that's an insult right there. That that's that's a, a I mean a hearty insult. So I don't know what else, what else they're looking to find. I don't have any idea. But they should Absolutely. out the gate. Yeah, they need to be charged with more than that. Like the both of you have said, you know, just the car theft alone is enough to get this ball rolling. And that ain't a misdemeanor. Car theft has never been a misdemeanor. So... They may have down, you know, sized it to a misdemeanor, but it's never started off as a misdemeanor, so I don't know. Oh, we got you this know a woman. Lot of time, I'm sorry. Lord, you know a lot of times they they do that to to uh, save time to try to find a loophole where that they figure 
that they'll be able to make a way out. And I'm talking about the lawyers. I'm talking about the lawyers. I know what you right? mean, yes. So we know that. So that so a lot of times that's what they try to do because they're going to try to, first of all, especially the 14-year-old, you know, they're going to use that as he's a little, a little kid. So whichever way that they could try to find it out, but like you said, if it's just point blank, you already know, skip all of that and let's go directly, directly to jail, you know, and take the crime. You killed. Absolutely. 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 It doesn't matter what your age is. You've got to pay for this crime. You've got to pay for this crime. Mm -hmm. And a misdemeanor means that you walk. A misdemeanor that you don't have any, there are no consequences to your action. So this is is just some insanity going on here. Talk about insanity, Pastor Charlin. Here in Manhattan, you have this architect who purposely doesn't, she does not get on a train because she does not want to possibly endure the um, the uh, the crime that she could possibly face, and so she gets on the bus, and now you get behind a person, you sit down, you mind your business, he gets up, he starts slapping you, hitting you, somebody else has to help her off the bus so he could get off of her. She tells the officer she wants to face charge. She wants to press charges. Excuse me. And at the end of the day, they do nothing because they said that the the attack was only harassment. Because there, at the end of the day, there was no bloodshed. Is that something you would settle for? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, as a bus rider. Um, I do see crazy on there because nowadays nobody pays, okay? Everybody just walks on the bus. Um, Very few, you can count how many people will put money in to get on the bus. And I've seen how when people, we're going to say mental issues, will go and they will go in the back and they are, either talking to themselves or they're talking loud to you when you're not paying attention to them. So I do see that piece of what she what she's talking about. But for her to try to do the right thing and say that I want to press charges, well, this had to be downtown because it couldn't have been uptown. So let me ah, say that. So, my sentiment so, exactly. It was. It was. Because the rest of showing her riding is a Chelsea-bound bus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. See, and so therefore, down there, they, they're not going to jump in. Because if you saw somebody that was beating on somebody and you know that they wasn't paying no attention, uptown, it would have been a whole bunch of people would have might have jumped in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And him yeah. offer her. However, for her, for him to continue to hit her, and you're going to help her after he's finished, I guess. So now, a lot of times, they'll just sit there. Because I've seen them cuss people out and everything on the bus. And you minding your business. But I will say, as a bus rider, nowadays, if you could get that seat where your back is up on the window, 
you should try to get that one because I've seen a lot of things that people try to, like they lean over, put stuff, or they touch you, and now you got it. It's a whole other situation. So far yeah. as her, I think that they gave her poorly. Um, I think that, yes, they should do something about it um, because if you let one go, you know, this situation just go, it's going to get out of hand because they're already fighting on the bus. Yeah. So now what's yeah. the next thing? Everybody's going to be, you know, it's a law. It, the buses is not, some people think that the bus is a little better. It's just another kind of situation that is happening on the bus. So you have to be careful all around. You know, Pastor Charlotte, as, a, as you were talking, I, I really realized that they're not understanding how they're causing the community to respond. So when I try to do things the right way, you do nothing. So now what is my recourse? My recourse is to arm myself. I'm going to carry a gun. I'm going to carry a box cutter. I'm going to carry a knife. Because if anything happens, I need to be able to defend myself so that I don't end up the victim. And they don't realize that they're, they're now pushing this mentality out there because that's the way people think. That's the way people respond. I, I, I did what I was supposed to do. You said that my physical attack was harassment. Okay, so let me just teach you how this harassment will go down the next time. And that's, that's really the scary part. That's really the scary part because now they're not yeah. understanding how people are going to respond to this, this type of treatment. They're not going to stand for it. They're not going to stand for it. And I said, when I read the article myself, I was like, oh, this had to be in this downtown area. <laughs> Boy, if it was on this side of the fence, it would have another outcome. So, yeah. There, there would have been some bloodshed, Pastor Charlotte. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> Okay, it would have been some bloodshed. It may have started with no bloodshed, but by the end of the whole nine yards, it was bloodshed. It would have been bloodshed. Oh, my goodness. Well, you have in South Carolina a whole different situation where, you know, the the, the couple is sharing this apartment um, despite the fact that they are divorced, and that's probably for monetary, you know, economical reasons because I'm reading this more and more. Um, and, you know, she's doing her thing with her friend, and, you know, he's banging on the wall. She's not answering. He's yelling. She's not answering. He takes matters into his own hands. He goes to the car. He gets the gun, and when she comes out to get some water, he tells her, if you go back up in that room, you're going to die. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. And uh, he's now sitting in jail with a domestic violence charge with a $100,000 bond. Much different than the last two stories we talk about. Oh, did he have to go get the gun? He tried. He tried, Pastor Shaw. Did he have to go get the gun? <laughs> no, he didn't really have to go get the gun, but she made him mad. Because <laughs> I think that my thought was, uh, like Lady Tamika said, he could have left. I thought of turn the TV up, 
put some music on, make it real loud, you know, um, because y'all y'all made a choice to stay in the same place together. So you know that she was going to have company. Or were you trying to make him mad? Was that what y'all was doing? Maybe y'all wasn't doing nothing. But was you trying to make him mad? Was you still trying to make him jealous? Was you trying to see if you can get something from him? Mm. Make you think, right? Because mm-hmm. you know how y'all <laughs> women are. <laughs> wow. Wow, that's it a story. Like, that's um, good. You, you remember when, boo? You remember when, boo? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, they do remember. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my goodness. So now on yeah. his side, he could have said you ain't make me feel like that. We ain't do all of that. So I'm mad. I got something for you. I'm going to go to the car. I'm going to get the gun. I'm not going to uh, shoot you. But you knew what you had because he's an ex. So you knew he had a gun and you knew his temper. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So therefore, now you the victim too. So now he gets locked up, but he should have thought about it. And you know what? I should have just got in the car and drove off or, you know, whatever. Or like you say, go get my friend. Yo, check this out, boo. Come on over. And we're going to do tit for chat. <laughs> oh, goodness. You know, it, 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 there's so many more ways. There are many more ways we can handle this situation, and we don't. You know, we, we deal with anger. You know, we deal with being spiteful. You know, he thought he was getting yeah. his point across, you know, by by telling her that. And he's not thinking, you know, this is this is a domestic violence issue. You know, this is fear that you're trying to put in her. So whether she thought he was serious or not, whether, you know, he really would have done it or not, or he's going to eat what he went and did. So now you got a whole different situation. I wanted to ask you ladies today. So like I said, you know, we've we've done stories, a couple of stories where, you know, the people, you know, they got divorced, but they had to live. I, I, I know one of the times we did it on Rip from the Headlines um, where, you know, they had to divorce, but they also had to live together because they could not afford to live separately, or, or or remember the story where they got divorced, but the man put had his RV on her property. <laughs> you know, do you you divorce now? Do you live in the same house now? Here's the thing: they have been living together, divorced for two years. For two years. What what's your thought on that, Lady Tamika? I'll start with you. First of all, that that portion of the relationship has ended. You got to take it upon yourself to make the moment. And I understand that it, it does take a moment, but even with that, establish some guidelines. The average person should automatically just know we're not doing that particular thing only because. You know, you want to at least respect the person, um, and apparently, you know, this lady was like, well, I don't care, I'm going to do whatever it is that I want to do. Um, 
make the moves that, that make this simpler so you don't have to deal with any of that. You don't put yourself in that predicament and you're not placed in that predicament. You know, I, I agree. And I'm going to come back to what some of the ground rules were, um, ground rules should have been. So don't give that out, Pastor Charlene. Um, but what do you think of that arrangement? You know, we we know we need we need to sever this this marriage, so we go get a divorce. But we also can't afford to live, you know, on our own. So you know, let's just live together. What do you think of that concept in and of itself? No, either. What's the purpose? My opinion. What's the purpose of us getting a divorce? That's supposed to be separation. So, therefore, if we still going to live in the same house, why would I get a divorce? And then I miss out on that check if something happened to you. No, no. Mm-mm. I'm going to stay with you because we living in the same household. We just have to, like you said, make some grounds, rules, and being All able right. to know, you know, um, you have that bedroom and I have that bedroom or however, but we'll be in separate beds. But what's the purpose of, I, I don't understand that. So, no, I think that is not good, especially if you've got oh. kids. Okay, okay. Well, someone says that is God showing you that y'all weren't supposed to get a divorce if you have to still live together because y'all still need to support each other. Uh, that wasn't the my the, that wasn't the move. So, you know, um, <laughs> this is where y'all are. Let's talk about some ground rules that need to be just one. Some ground if you gotta get the, you know if you gotta get that divorce, um, and but you still gotta live together because you cannot afford to live separately. What would be one of the ground rules, Tamisha? Oh, my goodness. Ah, Tamika. <laughs> um, don't have, I would think it would be even just, you know, don't have anybody else coming by. You know, if, if um, you know, if you are, if you choose to date, then don't have the individual come by the house. And that's on either side, whether it's hers or his. That was the first thing that came to my mind. First thing that came to my mind. Before I I elaborate, Pastor Charlotte, what do you think about that rule? Don't add any other rules right now. What do you think about that particular rule? Do you think that's too much to put on somebody? Now, listen, I can't afford to live on my own. Can I... um, um, when uh, can I should should I now have to go and take an expense to now go to a hotel or, or something like that? Absolutely, that was my number one. Um, not bringing somebody as well, so I think that that should be the very first rule that nobody, neither one of us, um, should have anybody to come to the house. We want to respect the house with each other. And then that way you won't have to bring your gun. 
<laughs> All right. Now we got a comment before I I'll give you a chance to comment to to uh before I respond. Somebody said, "Who's trying to hear that when I'm not with you anymore? Why should you be able to uh, why should I have to take my people outside when we're not together anymore? In other words, you should be able to handle this thing here. Uh, Tamika, we'll start with you. Yeah, but that's that's a different that's a difficult thing, and and it's a a rough situation to put anybody in, whether it's male or female. Because now you got me thinking, you know, and the brain and the mind, you know, realizing that I was attached to you. So now. Every time I turn around, I'm thinking about what you could be doing with someone else or, you know, um, and I understand that our relationship has ceased, but at least give me the courtesy or decency to not do it in my face. You know, and that's basically what you're doing. You're putting that person in a predicament where now, I, you know, my emotions are all awry. I'm trying my best to get over what has already transpired. I'm trying to move on, but you make it difficult because now I, I, I have to deal with what we had. Plus, now you're adding some, you know, another element. Um, I think it's easier to alleviate that extra stress by, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you got to hide it, but don't put it in my face. Okay, okay. Pastor Charlene, a comment comes in, but we're not together anymore. This is the comments that, that are coming through. How do you respond to this? We're not together anymore. That, I'm sorry, because you was going in and out. Say it to me again. The comment is, as as Lady Tamika was talking, the comment was, but we're not together anymore. How do you respond to that? Well, even though we're not together, it's just respect. So with that, you, because especially us women, you know, you want to look at, so she's going to come in, and now she's going to think that she's the lady of the house, and now she's going to try to, act, you know, add some words to me because that's what that's what they do because I'm the new one on the block. So, therefore, I mean, it, even though y'all live together, but he's my man, and this is where he lives at, and I can do what I want to do. No, you can't go around my refrigerator. So, therefore, so you don't have to feel nothing, say nothing, do nothing. Don't bring her to my home. And I do the same because men will do the same thing. He'll come in and he'll be like, oh, I'm going in the refrigerator. No. And, you know, you just created some stuff that you don't really have to deal with. So that's why nobody comes. And and I happen to agree with you both. Yes, the logical side says that we're not together anymore. We are so not together anymore that we have gotten a full divorce. We're not just separated. We have gotten a full divorce. And we would all like to believe that despite the fact that we're divorced, that not despite the fact, but the fact that we're divorced, there's no more connection. We don't have, there are no heartstrings, there, there's no mental connection, there's no physical connection, nothing. We've gotten a divorce, we've decided to sever our ties, and we're calling it quits, so everybody should be able to do what they want to do. In a perfect world, absolutely. 
So now we decide that we can't, um, you know, we can't afford to live separately because it's expensive out here, and we're going to cohabitate as roommates. Well, again, in a perfect world, everybody leaves their emotions on the side. But I agree with you two ladies. You know, no, I don't care how logical it is, the fact that we're not together anymore, everybody ain't going to play by the rules. So, you know, okay, so this this is two years they've been living um, together but divorced. And it may start off well, but after a while, again, what happens when I can't afford the motel? So now I bring the person home because I think that you're not going to be here. Your shift, you know, this is your shift. So I bring them home on your, you know, during your shift. You ain't supposed to be home, but now you're home. And now we got a whole different dynamic because you you weren't supposed to be home, but you are home. Um, like uh, the, the examples that were given, you know, people become territorial. And now they do things all out of whack. They do things out of spite. And you know what? If you can't seem to handle not bringing a person home, you need to save up your pennies and you need to get your own place. And and, and, and if it's a room, go get the room. Go get the room. Now, when you go get the room, you know, there are rules where you can't have company. Well, listen, then you don't, you, you're out of luck because this is not going to, this is not a good arrangement. And th- this is not going to last very long at all. You know, it, it takes two exceptional people, two exceptional people um, to, you know, be able to make that happen. Now, there's a comment that's coming through that says, well, stay married till you can afford to get divorced then. Tamika, how do you feel about that? Sorry, I was having an issue with my connection. Um, that's a thought, you know, and, and that, that honestly, in a sense, that does make sense, you know, but we're, we, we're just looking at people, you know. People can be so, uh, like, when, when, when a relationship is ending, people can be deliberately mean and... and um, do deliberate things, you know, and I guess for them, you know, having that paperwork changes things, but you're st- again, you're still living together, and I, I'm, I'm in agreement with the individual in that, you know, do what you need to do so you can get out, you know, <clears throat> and then at that point, get your paperwork, because it doesn't make any sense to be living together and you're divorced, you know, you should have made that move prior to you know, that the, the whole thing of divorce means, okay, you're doing your thing, I'm doing my thing, we're living our lives, we're separated, you know. Um, and so I, I agree, but people can just be so, this, the, the mentality of people is so much more different than it has been, you know. And I, I, I <laughs> to, deli- to deliberate, deliberately do things to somebody just doesn't make any sense. But, you know, I'm still in agreement with um, our, our person. Okay, okay. Pastor Charlene, so the, 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 the comment is, well, then you need to stay married until you can get a divorce and then I guess at that point separate. What's your what's your what's your response to that? Yes, that's what I said at the beginning. 
Absolutely. What's the purpose of getting a divorce if we still going to live in the same household? Once again, I thought of that check. <laughs> so nobody else can get it. So all my suffering, since I have to stay with you, because we can't separate from living apart, you might as well stay married. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Um, and maybe I'm thinking of it the same way you all are thinking of it, but I'm just putting it in a different form. I do agree that divorcing and having to live together is a poor plan. <laughs> so if that's Horrible. what you're Right, I agree with y'all 100%. You know, there ain't no plan here. And, and everybody knows me. I, I, I told about get, get the plan together. Get the plan together. And for me, getting a divorce, knowing that we can't financially separate is a poor plan, is a poor plan. And the the just the basic theory of staying married until we can afford to live apart. I don't know if I want to say it like that. Uh, like that's what I said. I don't. I, you know, it's, it's probably the same thing. You know, all of you are saying. I'm just put. It's in my head differently. Um, you know, plan properly, or, or I, I don't even know what the or is. I, I just, <laughs> I just don't. I just don't. You know, you get to a point where you figure. Okay, you know what? This marriage ain't working. This this really is not working. And we really need to get a divorce. And when y'all sit down together and you're talking and you both are honest enough to say, well, you know what? I can't afford to go out and get my own place. And then you say, I can't afford to go out and get my own place either. And somebody says, okay, what do we do? And then somebody says, well, how about we just stay here and that ain't going to work. That is not going to work. Again, I agree with all of you. So I really don't know what the, the recourse is. You know, if you're talking about to um, average people, non-believers, this, this is, this is going to get real nasty And because there, there are no rules, if you will. Um, there are no guidelines. And this is prime example as to what goes wrong. If you're two believers, then what was also said in the comments was, again, maybe that's God's way of saying that you need to try another way to keep this together. And sometimes God will put those roadblocks up in our life, period, to prevent us from going left or right. And now we're kind of forced to say, you know what, let me rethink this thing. So we don't know if that's God's way of saying you know what, halt, you know what, you know, work on, go to counseling. Have you tried counseling? You know, because I, I, I honestly, I'm at a roadblock here. If you can't afford to live someplace else, then as, 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 as believers, as Christian people, then you really need to, to try to work this out because, you know, go to counseling. Do do what you haven't done already, because trying to do this separate ain't gonna work. <laughs> That's not 
going to work because eventually whatever the ground rules are, that's going to be probably broken. Uh, Pastor Charlotte, we got enough time to get one more ground rule that we're going to try to put into place. You know, Lady Tamika started with somewhere where both of us said, um, you know, just don't bring nobody home. Where else do you go with a ground rule? What other ground rule you want to put in place? That we're not together like that anymore. So don't expect me to laundry, cook, clean up behind you. I'm not <laughs> doing it. So everybody has to fend for themselves. Now, if I'm in a good mood, you know, just don't expect that from me. If I'm in a good mood and I decided I cooked and I cooked a little bit too much, maybe I'll feed you. But I'm not doing your laundry and I'm not cleaning up behind you. So, therefore, those are another ground rules. And that will come together of far as the household, who is going to clean what. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, Lady Tamika. What do you say about that ground rule? You know, we we have to work out the the uh, the upkeep of the home, as well as I'm not expected to do the domesticated domestic things that I used to do. Okay, I I, I get it and I understand why, but also as, as a female, also realize that. People can be petty, and it can come back to bite you in the butt. I'll give you a for instance. You say you're not going to wash dishes, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to do his laundry, blah, 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 but the car needs fixing and he's a mechanic. Oops, now you got to go get somebody. You got to pay somebody to take care of what he normally um, took care of. So just be honest, you know, if that's, if that's the perimeter that you're setting, it can come back and bite you in the butt. Or, you know, since you're not doing such and such, you will have to go down the street to ask somebody to open up that jar that he normally opens. So it can't come back to hurt you. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Pastor Charlotte. What happens okay, so when he responds with that? What'd you and say? that's what I was going to say. Now, let me tell you what I said. That's what I was going to respond to. And let me tell you what I'm going to do. Just like if you lived by yourself before, who went? Knock, knock, ding. Can you open this up for me, please? Thank you. Go to that neighbor or whomever. Yes, I will make a way. And if I can, if my car, you know, unless, but see, this is the part right here that once you sit down, now, let's do with the car piece that you said. If he's a mechanic and he fixed my car, then I will have to give up something to do for him, too. So here we go. We're going to put it down on paper so it might be something that he can do. But far as all that extra of you just knowing that I'm going to do it, because as a wife, that's what we do. We cook, we clean, we do all of these extra little wonderful things for him. But all of that stuff has to decease because now who decided that we was getting a divorce? So when you go back to all of that, especially if you're the one that said that you want it, so therefore – you should have thought about all of those wonderful good things that I've done, or I should have thought about all those wonderful good things that you have done before we decided to get a divorce. Divorce means it's an ex, and an ex means that it's over. That's me. You know, uh, this listen is to, why it's a bad idea. 
Yeah, and 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 and, and, and that, that's where my head went. My head went to okay. Let's talk about this dynamic of you were the one who wanted the divorce, so therefore don't come looking to me to do anything. It it it, it seems to be this is more amicable opposed to you enforcing the fact. Because let me tell you, see that's already a bad plan. You insist on the divorce and you can't afford to move. Oh, okay. See, see, we all twisted. We all twisted. It seems like when we get to this point of we're forced to share the same, you know, housing and things like that, that we both have agreed that it's over. We both have agreed that, you know, it, this, there's nothing else we can do. We're not making it. This is not working. So, therefore, when we both agree that this is not working and we can't go no further in this marriage, but we both cannot afford to move, that doesn't sound to me much like, well, you know, I, I, I want the divorce, but I got to stay. Because how do you make that? How do you approach that? Mm-hmm. You are the one who wants the divorce. You are ins- insisting on the divorce, but you can't afford to move. See what I'm talking about? That ain't a plan. If you are insisting on the fact that we get the divorce, then you must have a plan to get up out of here because you can't possibly mm-hmm. think that you're going to be looking up in my face. I'm going to be looking up in your face, but yet you insist we get divorced. Because I agree with you, mm-hmm. Pastor Charlotte. Ain't nowhere in the world you gonna talk about I insist we get a divorce and do you need help? Oh no. No, no. All of this cease and desist is in effect. So no. We 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 gonna have to work we're gonna have to get a plan. We have to get a plan. Ladies, you have been fantastic this morning. Thank you so much for our conversation. You almost made me forget. I switched it. Ah, have a blessed day. You all do the same. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, it's the top of the hour, and the conversation just between the three of us, well, the four of us, got to be so, you know, juicy in my head that I almost forgot to switch tip with Shantice. Let's say good morning to Shantice. Good morning, Shantice. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Mom. Well, thank you. What you got for us today? Today I got the switch with Shanti, so we make the switch from the streets to our godly seats. And when I tell you, Pastor Steph, my I was completely blank on what the switch tip was going to be. And I'm like, God, now you had me study with you yesterday. Nothing was really coming to mind. And then... I looked it back in my notes and I saw represent God right. So switch tip 146 is represent God right. And after I came across a couple of verses and listening to the conversation between you and the ladies, it was like, oh, yeah, this is the switch tip for this week. The definition of represent, be entitled or appointed to act or speak for someone, especially in an official capacity. That's the first definition. Second definition of represent is to serve as a sign and symbol of. First Peter 2.9, message version. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. 
Colossians 3.17, New Living Translation. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him, to God the Father. And Pastor Steph, again, listening to this conversation and these rules, those rules never work. It's just like a married couple deciding to now have a threesome, and they're going to sit down and put rules on paper as to what can go, who's going to pick who, how long it can go on, what time these things happen, who can. No, these rules never work. And how are we a proper representative of God? If we are choosing to, at the end of the day, live the way the worldly people live, for me to be married and say that, oh, okay, well, we're going to live together after we get the divorce or to agree to it, we now live like boyfriend and girlfriend, same rules. There are no rules. There are no contingencies. If we're agreeing to pay, this stuff is for the worldly people. It is very hard to, what did Colossians 3.17 say? And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus given thing. It is really hard to watch what I say, watch what I do, watch how I react and respond. Or when I don't want to say something, say it the way God needs me to say it, how God wants me to say it, when God wants me to say it. If I'm in the middle of these pointless, unrealistic rules, from a decision you and I chose to make. These are, we have to really be careful about the choices that we decide to make and then call ourselves children of God. Like the first verse said, that you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people. This representing God, right? It really helps to develop our character in him, really helps us to make the proper decision, really dictates what we say, how we say it, what we do, how we do it, or lack thereof. And if we don't make sure that we make the switch of misrepresenting God to making sure that we represent God and represent him right, and representing him right means according to his word. Again, not sitting by yourself or with other people and coming up with a way to represent him that is comfortable for you, that makes sense to you because see situations like this or other situations that whether you're single or married or whatever, but especially if you're a child of God, uh, we sit and we think of these things and we try to justify it in our own mind. Oh, well, it works. So God is pleased with it. Oh, well, it's fine for me. And especially if you got somebody else who agrees with you. Oh, forget it. Oh, well, it's fine for us. So, or, or so-and-so agrees with me, or I said something, I said, right, so-and-so, and they said, yeah, okay, well, I get you, I understand you. Sometimes that's the worst thing somebody can do for you is agree with you, even if it's agreeing with you to, just so you can shut up and stop talking. No, representing God right means following his decrees, his laws, his commandments, meaning knowing when it's time. The Holy Spirit, and let me, let me just real quick, anyone who says the Holy Spirit does not do his job is a liar. He is always on point. He leads you. He holds you back. He opens your mouth to speak. He shuts your mouth from speaking. He will, just like Pastor Steph, you said something like, um, oh, could, could this be a hiccup? You know, one of the comments that was given, you know, could, could this be a roadblock where God is, okay, he's on a job. He's doing what he needs to be doing. So we really need to make sure we're making a conscious decision of making a switch 
from representing God the way we choose to, the way it's comfortable for us, the way it makes sense to us, and making sure that we remember that we are chosen by him, chosen to do his work, chosen to speak for him, and that whatever we say or do, we are representing him. So we must make sure that in all of our decisions, we are representing him right. Thank you, Pastor Steph. Thank you, Shantice. Thank you. We pray you have a blessed day. God will always fill in the blanks whenever we are blank. He always yes. is able to fill it. Amen. All right. Have a blessed yes. day. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, the benediction for today. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans fifteen five and 6. You know, last night, we prayed for being used by God. And that was a conversation that we had here on um, It's Due Time, which stimulated that, that prayer topic. And I think about this situation here. I think about, um, you know, you, you feel like you need to get a divorce. You go through with the divorce, but yet can't nobody live apart financially. And I think about how we welcome when we when we plan poorly, we welcome in all kinds of problems. You know, it's almost like, you know, when the Bible tells us, you know, you know, don't withhold yourself from your spouse because in doing so, uh, make sure that you are in agreement with this because in, if you don't, then you leave room for the enemy to come in. And, and this is pretty much the same thing. You know, the poor planning, the poor planning, because even if you do agree to, you know, um, we're not going to, you know, uh, you know, have any relations intimately for this particular purpose or that particular purpose, you know, is that the best plan? Have you sought God with that plan? Because, you know, what happens when someone, you know, does get in the mood and now they're coming to you and now you're throwing up in their face well you know we promised <laughs> so we made the commitment you know when when we don't see God for our plans then we end up in these type of situations and you know my, my, my thought ends up being well how useful are we to God when we're caught up in this situation where we've planned to divorce, we've gone through with the divorce, and now we can't afford to live apart, how beneficial are you going to be to somebody on the outside? When you couldn't even make this work, when you're living miserably because of all the situations that you are now in and involved in because you needed to work this out this way. And it's such such a poor plan. Such a poor plan. Such such a poor plan. And even as Christian people, we really think we got this plan held down. We really, really think that we doing something here with this plan and it ends up coming back to smack us 
in the face. Because again, it wasn't a true plan to begin with. We have to always think of how we're serving God, like Shanti said, representing. But how are we serving God on a regular basis? Can we honestly serve God to the fullest? See, the, the problem is people where I serve God, you usher the door. That's it. And somebody might say, well, at least they do that. And I say, I'm sorry. I refuse to believe that the only thing you could do for God is usher at the door during service. Every day, you should be connecting to God that he is showing you another way you can be useful. It doesn't have to be some big, you ain't got to serve as the president of the, of the, of the country. But there's got to be something more than what you did yesterday. Does being useful to God have an end date? Is there a cap? Is there a ceiling? Because if there's not, then every day when we get up, and I said this last night, every day when we get up, we need to ask God, how can I be useful to you today in a way that I may not have ever been useful or in a deeper man- manner in the way I have been useful. If I gave away one sandwich, can I now give away five sandwiches? If we are locked into domestic issues that are not functioning properly, then we can't be used to our, to the ultimate level. And for me, I am not comfortable just being useful on one small level because I realize how much God has done for me. You've got me off a surgical table, to, and the only thing I could do is go stand at the door and serve. That's it. I'm not saying that that's pay attention. I'm not saying that's not important. But am I asking, am I saying that's it? That's all I can do? In my disabled state, God has shown me how I can be more useful to him more and more every day. In my disabled state, I'm officially disabled. I'm not bedridden. Oh, pay attention. Pay attention. God says, I'm going to be able to use you through a disabled state. And I've kept you from being bedridden because there are things that I need you to do, things that I need you to be a part of, ways I need you to bless others. And it doesn't mean that if you are bedridden that you can't serve God more and more every day. If I prayed for one person, can I now pray for two? Can I help to arrange something? If I can get on my phone, I might not be able to get about this bed, but if I can get on this phone, can I now make some connections for people? Can I now advocate for people? Can I now help to link people to a food pantry or to this or to that? Can I help people find a job? Can, I mean, can I help 
a, a person find a church? Can I do something more than just lay in this bed? Because I might be bedridden, but there's nothing wrong with my brain. There's nothing wrong with my mouth. I can still read. I can still comprehend. There's more we can do. And being useful to God should be on the top of our agenda where we don't get locked up into these domestic situations where, you know, now we are divorced and now I can't afford to move. And what kind of heartache, headache is that going to bring you? Because if you ever really had feelings for that person, it's not going to be easy. If you don't hear them being intimate, just watching them walk through the door together, can you handle that? Listening to them on the phone, possibly telling someone else that they love them, can you handle that? Or are you going to be in such emotional anguish that, now you can't even function properly because now you're depressed because now you you know you're jealous now you're going to try to sabotage everything that's going on with the other person so that they're not happy but you've agreed so plan properly is is one of the best things and and seek God for what you need to do let God order your steps was divorce ultimately the, the the end of the road for you? Was that supposed to be where you were? Sometimes we get locked into situations because we were disobedient. So could this also be a roadblock of you not being able to move financially because you weren't supposed to make that move no way? So now you didn't lock yourself into something. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. We need to make sure that God is telling us what to do. And then those plans are made. These plans are not made based on our emotions or or what our next-door neighbor did and what worked for them. You know, I I, got to tell you there, sometimes I, I look at a situation and I say, you know what? I should do it that way, and it's instantaneously. And it goes back to what Shantish just said about the Spirit of the Lord. It is not even something necessarily bad. But when I, if once I get it out my mouth, I say, oh, you know what? That might not be a bad idea. Maybe I could try it that way. Spirit of the Lord goes, oh, no, you won't. That's not for you. So whether the Spirit of the Lord says that literally to you or not, The Spirit of the Lord is always on its job. Make sure you are heeding to what the Spirit of the Lord is giving you. Isn't that why you supposedly put God first in your life? Mm, Pay attention. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank my due time crew who always comes through big time, even in a skeletal situation. Ah, God is amazing. Thank you for hanging out with us. 
and helping us do what we do. Please do not miss this opportunity to give your life to the Lord right now. Please do not miss the opportunity to strengthen your relationship with the Lord right now because later is not promised to any of us. Until tomorrow, God spares, where it's Let's Talk About It Tuesday Church Folk Day. Until then, I love you. Love you.